0: So welcome to a new episode of the Raw Take by Growth Lab, a leader in the finance as a service ecosystem. And here on the Raw Take, we share how we help our customers address their current challenges, their risks and opportunities to drive value. And this is hosted by me, Dan Gertrudes. And me, Steven Beiler. Our goal each week on the Raw Take is to leverage our experience, our journey, to help you scale your business. Here we go. Hey Steve. Hey Dan. Hey everyone. It is January sixth, two thousand twenty-two. And this is another episode of the Raw Take for CEOs. And today's theme, Stephen, is we're talking about the labor market again. Exactly. Again. Again, here we go. The labor market.
1: So, so we've been darn. talking about for the last like <laughs> three months. Six months it feels like, but twelve months. T- today's theme is don't let don't let the tight labor market run your business. You know you are you are running your business. You're driving your business. The strategies that you can take to make sure that uh, even though there is a totally tight labor market right now, that uh, you are in charge of your team, your people, and developing your business.
0: Where are four million people? I'm still like I, I scratch my head. Where where are they? How are they paying their bills? Oh, I know. Stimulus money. At some point, this stuff's going to dry up. And that's why I do like, to be honest here, and I'm always honest, I do believe that there is, there will be a reversion to a mean, which is a fancy way of saying at some point, the power shift is going to go from employees back to employers, back to employees, back to employers. This stuff is just cyclical. It just happens to be when this happens because of a pandemic, a pandemic that shut everything down and totally clogged everything like we were describing last week, this highway of supply chain, it's going to begin to open up. Schools, yes, schools are open up. Yes, many have gone back to virtual, which does put a crimp on maybe some families going back to work and whatnot. But you're right, as an employer, how do you manage through this? We had a great conversation with one of our young employees, Allison, who actually manages our marketing. And I loved, Steve, how you asked her, like, hey, we're talking about kind of sensitive stuff. How do you feel about that? And the first words out of her mouth, and obviously maybe because she was talking to the two of us, was, well, there's more to it than just money, right? But as we wrote here in one of our notes is money talks. It's still like money's important, right? But it's not, it isn't everything. And so as we think about how a small business owner or startup manages, navigates through this point A to point B, because point A, this is so unprecedented, right? Four million people half a million quitting
1: like just quitting it's amazing numbers yeah i mean when was the last time that i don't remember uh when we were uh using quits as a job market metric
0: dude i don't even remember quitting a job (laughs) i've gotten fired from jobs but i mean how do you just quit so all that aside as employers as management teams as founders you still have to navigate through this.
1: Yeah, and, more and we've likely, been preaching. Yeah, more likely than not, you're trying to execute on your Q1 hiring goals, like right now. I know a lot of our customers are. You know, we are, and uh, you know, it, you're. It's it's harder to find find the people at the right price point, but
0: at the right price point, and you can either stretch your dollar to hire people in order to capture. The growing customer demand or you say no to some revenue increase your pricing and not expand your production not expand your employee footprint
1: yeah no it gets back to dan like uh right sizing the business like you know so there's C- cfos out there that are talking about a 20 percent increase in uh, wages and cost of wages for 2022 like right. that's that's a crazy number for a lot of small businesses that would that just would be unsustainable they don't have enough margin to uh go up by 20% on their people costs and still run a profitable business so like it gets back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the pandemic you may this may be the time that
0: you just need to right size your business like don't so so let's do the math let's do the math for our for our listeners if you're an average you know strike zone, service-based business, and your cost of labor is, let's say, 50% of your revenue, if your cost of labor goes up by 20%, you're essentially going to knock out another 10 points on your gross margin. 10 points. If you don't do anything, those 10 points are going to go Right to your net income and reduce your net income by exactly that amount. What do you do? Yeah, and we're talking say- free cash flow, not just a, not just like accrual a revenue. Okay, this isn't gap. This is cash.
1: Yeah, and let's say you had a 20 percent free cash flow business. Drop cuts it in half.
0: If you're lucky to have a twenty percent free cash flow business, find me a business think- that has a twenty. 20- we're not talking SaaS-based companies here,
1: right?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you, man. So maybe it's time to not stretch that dollar to find that additional person. And maybe it's time to kind of look at other places in your business. And that's what we want to talk about today. But Steve, before we get there, I enjoy I enjoy reading Fred Wilson's uh, emails, his blogs. Yes, there are times like, the guy is just living in a different world than I do. Um, there were times during the pandemic, some of his blogs. Hey, not everybody's going to like what I write or say either, right? And, you know, I'm just like, what world is this guy living on? And I know he's a high-flying VC. He's famous, runs in all the circles, right, in the VC world. But I got to tell you, today's January 6, 2022 email, blog post, he titled it The Sell-Off. And for the first time I said, yes, we've been feeling this for three months. And I love the fact that he states, this didn't just start this week. It's been going on since early November when the NASDAQ peaked and Bitcoin hit 67,000. The stock and crypto markets have started off the year in a sell-off mode. Well, we know that's not true. It's been happening. When you're seeing SaaS-based businesses, and I love I love what he put in here. When you see SaaS based businesses hitting valuations of north of 10 times revenue, it's absurd. Now I get it. It's all whatever lens you're looking at it. But at the end of the day, high-flying SaaS businesses. Hitting ten plus. I mean, you looked at some of the Zoom, like guys like Zoom, Adobe, Salesforce. Obviously, they're together now, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's no, It's no. It's no surprise. And sure, the 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 news coming out of Washington, out of the Federal Reserve this week, we knew this was coming. They've been signaling. If there's one thing the Federal Reserve does really, really good, they signal. And they've been signaling interest rate increases—not one, not two—we could even see more—and also mopping up some of that liquidity. Mm-hmm. This is this should be of no surprise.
1: Yeah, no, he he, he has a good good approach. I do generally like his, his writing, um, though it took a little took a little uh, step back during the pandemic at one point, like you said. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and what I and he ends this because this this really does hit a chord in our customer base and the market that we work with. He says it also makes me wonder if the pay any price and he puts that in quotes, the pay any price mentality in yeah. venture may ease up a bit this year. When the IPO markets or the MA markets can't or won't be able to pay more for a business than the private markets are paying, that's just not sustainable. It's going to last a few quarters, maybe a year, but it won't last forever. And he ends up by saying, we will see, because none of us have a crystal ball. Yeah, no, but it,
1: it uh, does resonate, because there have been, uh, the venture world has hit some, across the globe, hit some milestones throughout the pandemic. Um, there just has been so much capital out there and it's been hungry for deals. Um, and I would say there have been some inflated um, valuations. We've seen it in, in in our industry. You know, our industry typically accounting, you're kind of looking at 1 to 1.5x revenue.
0: Oh, like, I feel lucky. I feel lucky. It, Come on. It, it, po- the typical business that's a transactional business you're lucky if you get 0. 0.8. 0. 0.7
1: 0. 0.8 but you know in the in the SaaS world yeah you are looking at like you know seven eight ten twelve uh you know times times revenue which is which is fantastic um but we're seeing that we saw accounting businesses go for uh some extraordinary fees two uh, two or more <laughs> like and it, it's it's crazy but I, I like that approach, like, hey, when the public markets are not going to be able to pay the same price as the private markets, something's going to something's going to go back to a mean here, going back to our totally. from
0: last week. Like, everything's going to go back to a mean. Yeah. I mean, let's focus on the accounting. When you see companies like Scalefactor or Pilot, the amount of money that they have raised at the valuations they're raising, when they have 1,000, maybe 1,500 paying customers – and the average customer, you're lucky if it's a 20,000, 25,000 ARR, yep. you start doing the math, you're not talking 10 times, you're talking 100 times revenue on a service-based business that still relies on people to do half of the work.
1: Yeah, when you use uh, Fred's little metric there, what is the public market going to pay 100 times revenue?
0: No way, not in a million years. Unless there's a pandemic and you've gotten free checks from the government, you've got nothing else to do, so you might as well gamble. But it's going to revert back to a mean. And here we are. And again, we're, we're making predictions, right? We're essentially implying predictions here that are months out from realization. There is a little bit of rationalization going on. And it's about time.
1: Yeah. So, you're a business owner trying to hire. You can't outbid the next guy. Let's talk about how you how in this in this market in this world, how we do that.
0: I think how we do that is rethink people operations. We start integrating compensation structures, employee reviews. Being putting that back on a cadence, elevating how you approach it, integrating it into your annual operating planning cycle, and be real. Yeah, no, be let's, real about it. Let's
1: spend a minute on just people operations, right? Which is what you were just like describing and kind of like uh, articulating. I really appreciate that terminology, and it is only, it is only terminology, right? But if I talk about people operations versus versus HR, my head and my mind and my heart resonate a lot more with people operations than they do with HR, because people operations is about generating it, it. It makes you feel it's about generating value. HR is about managing risk. I'm broad strokes, right? People can argue with me, but the mentality of people operations is about how do we build culture how do we build a compensation structure a compensation framework that is holistic that it, that goes beyond just you know uh hr goes to like people because we are dealing with people
0: okay and so with the labor market out of whack okay i don't know how else to put it yeah there's job openings. openings there's too many openings for the job seekers right Job openings, north of 10 million. Job seekers, flat around 7 million. And half a million quitting every month. How do you manage through that?
1: Yeah, and how do you not let that control your reaction to what do you need to do in order to either keep, retain your people, or attract and hire new team members? When we're talking with customers about this, because it's increasingly part of our conversations, people operations, hiring, compensation. You know, one of the first areas we go to, Dan, right, is, is your, your bonus program, your performance pay.
0: Right. So you start with awards, you're reviewing the years, the prior year's performance, and you're giving raises. Two, you've developed your annual operating plan, so now you've identified the gaps in your people footprint, and ask yourself Do I really need to hire, or should I be revisiting some of the customer demand that's coming our way? Should I be revisiting contracts, pricing? Because if you cannot profitably service those customers, Because of the current dynamics or because you don't have the capacity? That is a difficult question because, as you know, and we're the same way, no business owner wants to say no to revenue. Three, think about your annual operating plan and aligning your current employees behaviors to hitting those goals by developing that annual comp structure with a bonus implemented in it pay for performance
1: i am a fan of keeping the corporate bonus plan simple for a lot of our customers it means focusing on revenue not focusing on too many other metrics because let's face it you want your entire team to support and drive to the corporate revenue targets you got sure you've got plenty of other targets maybe you've got some r d targets maybe maybe you have got other things that you want to include into people's comp structure but if there's one thing that uh, nobody can mess with it's revenue and uh, targeting your people to support in their own function in their own roles how they can support the revenue that keeps the corporate bonus plan simple. so i'm a big fan of that and uh structuring your compensation plan around that so that you know, employees, when it comes time for that uh, annual process of, like you were saying, Dan, your salary is your award and you bump up the salary and your bonus is your reward and your reward is for the prior year. What you contributed to driving to the prior year's goals and targets and, you know, when you're in that process, February, March timeframe, you're looking back at what people did. You're looking forward to what you need and another kind of uh concept or uh, framework that we often use with customers to identify like who, who do you need on your team in the next year, right? Cause you've got your plan put together, you know the targets you need to achieve, you know who your high performers are. Uh, and you know, when you're looking at how do you, you've got 50,000, 100,000, half a million, whatever you, your scale of your business, you got that much money to dole out in raises, how are you gonna allocate that across your team, right? one, one of the frameworks to use is to look at a quadrant uh, you know, a uh, two by two of who's the biggest value to the company. Put your employees on on a scale. Who's could you not live without, and who could you replace in in a heartbeat? Uh, that that's kind of the value of the company. And then flight risk. Then push those push those dots, those employee dots up if they're if you think they're flight risk. If you think they're undercompensated. If you think that they're where well, they want to leave the company for for X, Y, or Z reason. And push them down if you think that they're not a flight risk. And then those that are in the you know, top right quadrant, those are the people that you need to make sure that you put your darnest uh, effort together to put a compensation structure that that makes sense for keeping them keeping them around
0: and retaining them. And it's a good way to manage your inflationary pressures on wages. Yes, a five to ten percent increase in wages in 2022 is probably in the bank. Like. You've, you're going to accept it, but you cannot accept a 20% increase in wages. You can't without having structural changes to your business. Yeah.
1: And and why are we talking about this? You, uh, some of you might say, well, it's cash. Uh, yes, but you're delaying the payment of that cash until you know you've achieved certain metrics in the prior year, and then you can pay that cash out. So, yes, you will have a big cash event in February or March, if you hit your targets, especially if you hit your stretch goals and have to give people a kicker on top of their, their target bonus. But you, you're happy to pay that because you now have the cash, hopefully, from the prior year, if you've run your business correctly, to be able to pay that out. And that makes it, ties your cash with your, your, your comp.
0: So it's not always all about money, but it is about money. But now more than ever, in 2021, 2022, doubling down on the culture leveraging your culture in your business your people is critical because that's an anti-inflationary tactic it's not going to solve all your problems but embracing things you know asking yourself what is the root cause of a half a million quits a month yes we can blame it on the pandemic but it's no longer about the pandemic. That may have been the cause of this. But we are in a, th- this is a new paradigm that the labor market is in. People want to embrace and they, not. people want to work from home. They want hybrid working environments. As an employer, you need to embrace that. You need to figure out How to weave that into your business structure because your employees want it. And if there is a way to retain employees, working from home, hybrid working environments, flexible hours, using those employee reviews, using surveys on a monthly basis to keep your finger on the pulse of what your employees want how your employees are feeling and what they really want. Dan, I
1: think one of the things that, um, I'm not trying to toot our own horn, but one of the ways that we've helped to manage our own culture is keeping a keen line of communication with our employee base. If we didn't do that, our culture would look a whole lot different. Because because of that, we can hopefully find trends, we can hopefully, hopefully see things that are happening before they, you know, before the, before stress reaches a, a breaking point, or before, you know, you you name it, right? But I bring that up because you're talking about employee reviews and surveys. Right? As you as you use these things to keep an, a finger on the pulse of your employees, just like you do with customers, you want to know what your customers are thinking, how they're feeling, what their business is looking like. Um, same thing with your employees and in that employee review process. So many times, I think in corporate. America, employee reviews are seen as this like stressful like thing you want to stay away from, uh, because it it's just it's just going to be like bringing the hammer down, or you know setting targets that are not uh, achievable. But making you know spending the time to invest in your employee review process is time well spent because if you make that a value add and it's not going to happen overnight, but over the course of like two years, three years, when people really see this as like Okay, the employee review process is something that the, the leadership here really wants to invest in. They really want to hear my voice, and they are going to listen and take, take action based on what, what I'm saying, what the, where the business is going, etc.
0: So the theme today is don't let a tight labor market control your business. So how do you not let that control your business? So here are the four ideas for today. We've talked about putting together a corporate bonus program. We've talked about leveraging your culture. Non, These are non-cash things that you can do. Embracing hybrid work environments, flexible hours, et cetera, et cetera. The third idea is communication. Like you said, Steve, I would add one level, one other layer to that communication. It's not just about gathering data points from your employee base, but in order to have an effective, communicate, uh, an effective corporate bonus program, a business owner, a startup, a founder, a management team, You guys need to be transparent with your numbers. You need to be constantly communicating to your employees where you are, where you're at, are you at target, are you at base, are you at stretch, and you got to do that on a monthly basis, and even we could do a better job of that because, you know, as time goes on, you forget to do a few things. We've got the town halls on a quarterly basis, that's a, a nice way to wrap up communication, but... That third idea is so important because it touches on the success of a bonus program and it also allows for a business owner to keep their finger on the pulse of what, how their employees are thinking. And the number, the fourth idea here, which I think is unfortunately, we don't see enough of this, diversify your workforce. Yes, we talk about diversity, right? But diversifying your workforce is so critical because that inherently de-risks your employee footprint. When you're hiring, embrace hiring people that have 40, 50 years of experience. Yes, I'm talking hiring 60 year olds. I'm saying hiring millennials. I'm saying hiring right out of college embrace having that diversified workforce because it ultimately does de-risk this whole notion of a tight labor market potentially controlling your business's destiny or at best controlling this year's like performance.
1: Yeah. And it gives you, uh, especially you're talking about hiring experienced people, hire those newbies, hire those people straight out of college, train them up because they're going to be, you know, the midterm future of your business. And You know, depending on your business, they could be the ones that carry the baton for the next 20 years.
0: I love that idea. So, Steve, let's kind of use an example here. Now, the average business been around for 20, 30 years. You look at their, let's let's pick on the sales team, right? The sales team tends to be folks with 10, 20 years of experience. They've got the Rolodex. You know, they're essentially mercenaries, they can bounce from from employee to employer to employer. What if you rethink your sales function to be more of a sales process? Now you can begin to leverage the power of leveraging people. Yes, you've got your salespeople mm-hmm. closing the deals, but how they're sourcing the deals, you you have entry level. Or folks from other parts of the business that want to try try the sales and marketing route. Now you can begin to stratify out, break out that sales function, and you're layering in folks based on their experience level. Because ultimately, what are you trying to do? In order for sales to be sustainable, these folks that have been doing this for 20, 30 years, they're not going to be around forever. And the last thing you want to do is compete for folks like them because they are expensive. But if you leverage their experience by hiring entry level to learn the ropes, focus on process, layering in CRMs, pipeline management, and other cool tools that are out there, now Now you start to achieve 1 plus 1 equals 10, as opposed to one salesperson plus another salesperson. That's only equals two salespeople. They work in silos. They're mercenaries. But if you can layer on, create these multiple layers in your sales function, now you can begin to have exponential growth because 1 plus 1 plus 1 doesn't equal 3. They're leveraging each other. They're leveraging technology.
1: Yeah, and you you you're training them for the future. You're also de-risking the process. That's what you described. Totally different topic, but uh, one that's dear dear to our hearts is, as you as moved from like a sales and marketing uh, framework to a marketing and rev ops framework. So two two ways of, to de- de-risk the business.
0: And another way to de-risk a tight labor market is think about your operations and count how many times people actually touch processes in certain individual functions. You start to see things that repeat and repeat or errors and rework, speed. This is a great opportunity to start layering in some automation. This is where it happens these tight labor markets. This is why this stuff always reverts back to a mean. It just sucks dealing with it over the next 12 to 18 months because you got to survive through this without taking on more debt, without losing, you know, going into the red. What a great opportunity now to start rethinking processes and systems and touch points by people and begin to layering on software, AI, Redesigning processes. Yeah,
1: and I I think I would add the the last thing, another, this one's not a non-cash item, but benefits. Uh, I've seen multiple customers bring on a 401k or health benefits, dental benefits. Now that's, most business owners would say, I have no room in the budget for that, but if it is outsized in terms of the value that your employees perceive that they're getting, versus the cash that you have to outlay, then it can be a a strategic uh, move on your part.
0: The labor market doesn't have to control your business. Four ideas today, corporate bonus program, think about leveraging some of the company culture, right? some of the benefits, communication, and lastly, diversify your workforce. This is a thing that we're gonna to be touching on. It, this is not going away. It's gonna to begin to ease up. We're in the middle of an election year again. Things go back to way to the way they were. They sure do. I,
1: I, uh, I'm smiling because I'm thinking of what we read yesterday. Some of the budget allocation of uh, money's coming from the feds for certain, for certain cities. It's going back to the mean. It's going back to the, yes. <laughs> going back to the normal. Uh, we're in an election year that, that does uh, impact uh, how policies are made and uh, put together.
0: And here we go again. And on that note. Here's to a new year. Happy new year, everybody. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on The Raw Take by Growth Lab. We are passionate about the finance as a service space
1: and helping our customers and our industry overcome challenges, and take advantage of opportunities.
0: Yeah, that was fun, Steve. Appreciate it. See everyone next week.